internet world, this is a sermon mp3 from Lawson Heights Alliance Church, and this is for Sunday, July 24, 2022, and our very own Reverend Tyler Rohde is going to be bringing God's Word to us. So may God bless you as you listen. Well, it's been an exciting week uh, this past week. As, as mentioned, we had our, our youth camp and kids' own fun camp. Um, Last Sunday, we started, and I think there was about 50 kids registered for our fun camp, and we started on Sunday night, and Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We had a whole lot of fun. On the second day, uh, I think at least 10 new kids showed up, which was really exciting, and uh, sometimes we, we had to make some adjustments, but we're, we're pretty ready for it, because we have some great leaders, and I'm so thankful for all the leaders and helpers that helped us this, this, past, uh, this past week. It was a whole lot of fun. I think I had a lot of fun, and I know um, we did a little survey, and we asked, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you have any additional comments? And every, everybody that did the survey just said it was the best. They had so much fun. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Our leaders did a great job, and uh, kids had a lot of fun. Some of the kids that have been coming to Fun Camp, they've been coming for five or even six years. Uh, they may I know there's one family, they live in a totally different neighborhood. Uh, some families live out of town. And there's lots, though. One of the things that was really neat this year is there was lots of kids from the neighborhood. And so kids just walking across the street. A little different this year, too, is there was lots of uh, visitors who stuck around to just visit with one another during our fun camp, and they felt comfortable to be here, which was wonderful uh, to have them join us. Um, it was really encouraging as well, as there was one in the middle of the lesson, the one one girl, uh, when we're talking about Jesus and, and the way to salvation, one girl stood up and said, I want to learn more about Jesus. And I forget what the question was, but that wasn't the answer to the question. But ultimately, isn't that the answer to any question? <laughs> what a delight it was to hear her stand up and say that. Uh, and so we need to, we have an opportunity to keep praying for kids that have come to fun camp. And many have responded that they'd like to, they're interested in coming to Kids Own and and learning more and more about Jesus, and so we're very excited for that. It was also really encouraging to hear how many kids were memorizing Bible verses. They may also have enjoyed the little piece of candy they got, but it was really encouraging to see them memorizing God's Word and excited about it and even eager to read throughout our fun camp. It was a whole lot of fun. It, it's fun also to look back to where we started when it comes to fun camp or, or even in our own lives. Um, Fun camp, speaking of fun camp specifically, I remember um, there was uh, one, one lady from our church who had had uh, five-day clubs come, and they were doing some stuff in her apartment, and they're starting to teach kids about Jesus, and that was wonderful. I remember the one year, kind of when, as I arrived, we, we did a little fun camp with about 10 kids just in the park across the street, because I didn't know if people knew where our building was, and uh, that was really neat to kind of get the ball rolling. And then it wasn't long, and that 10 kids turned into 20 kids, and more and more kids were coming. And, and so as we kind of fast forward, and we see now kids have been coming for, as we've been doing this for eight years now, and uh, how encouraging it is to get to know kids. And even there was a couple kids with their masks on, and we could still recognize them uh, because they've been coming for so long, which was exciting. It can be fun to, to look back to where we started from. And, and to, to recap, I know this, uh, this in, a, in a couple of weeks here, I'm, I'm looking forward to heading to the lake. I know there's a few of you probably at the lake today, maybe even watching online. Feel free to comment below on YouTube if you're uh, at the lake and you're 
let us know where you're camping from. It's great to have you join us. But as I'm looking forward to going to the lake, I'm specifically looking forward to going to Little Fishing Lake because that's where I grew up going to. That was kind of my first camping experiences were between there and, uh, and another little lake, uh, Sandy Beach. I think you could call it a lake. I don't know what it was. Kind of like a dugout back in the day. It's a little better now, I'm told. But, but what a joy it is to kind of look back. And usually when we look back, we kind of look back with, with fond memories. Sometimes we have those hurts and pains as well. But today, as we look back, we're going to look to the life of David. Now, I know when I say David, many people, their first thoughts go towards David and Goliath, one of the, one of the most famous pieces of history in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, right? There's lots of, lots of ones that are there that are for all of us. But when we think of David, that's, that's the one that pops up before that. But we're going to go back just one chapter before, almost like a prequel, if you will, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we're going to be navigating through today. Before David slayed the giant, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, at the start, Samuel visits the house of Jesse to find and anoint the next king of Israel. You might be familiar with this part. As Samuel met Jesse's sons, it was revealed to, to him, Yahweh revealed to him, that the youngest son was the one who would be king of Israel, David. But the succession was not immediate. It was a dozen or so years later, we don't get the exact number, but a dozen or so years later before Saul leaves the stage and David takes over. From our perspective, it appears David was an unlikely candidate. By all means, for sure he was, to be the king of the nation of Israel. But he was chosen because of his character and ultimately, he was chosen because of God's plan. David was described as a mere man, a mere, a mere lad out in the pastures, seemingly forgotten by his own father and undervalued by Samuel. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, we read, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his height or his stature, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at the heart. And God is in the middle of doing something incredible right here. He's setting the stage and introducing King David. David will eventually take the throne very honorably. Like I mentioned, it'll, it'll take a few years. He'll have to wait a while. He'll make some huge mistakes throughout his life, but his heart is fixed on God. And he continues, as God continues, his incredible plan of redemption. That began with Adam and Eve and continued through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It would even continue through uh, David's son, Solomon, and eventually lead to Jesus, the Messiah. So turn with me to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 14 to 23, is where we're going to be looking today. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 14 to 23. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to watch, to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play, and when the evil spirit from God comes on you, you'll feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. And one of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem. Who knows how to play the lyre? He's a brave man and a warrior. 
He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey, loaded it with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them to his son David, sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul, and he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Now, this passage begins with a statement that makes two declarations that can be a little challenging for us to understand, especially as we reconcile and think through God's amazing character. God is holy and just. He is righteous and perfect, gracious, good, and God is love. But the first declaration we see in this passage is, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And the second declaration compounds immediately after, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented Saul. When reading this verse, it's foreseeable that many believers today would ask, will God take his Holy Spirit from me when I disobey like he did for Saul? And does God send evil? After looking at this passage a little closer, we're going to find some answers to these questions. Backing up a little bit in chapter 15, Saul disobeyed Yahweh's commands. His instructions were to, God's instructions were to not, uh, pardon me, were to destroy the Amalekites. They were at war. And so his instructions were to destroy them and win the battle because God was with them. Then the other instruction was to not take anything. Don't take anything at all from the plunder. So what did, what did Saul do? He left some people. And he, he and his people took some of the best of the things from the plunder. Saul tried to justify his behavior, like we all do, and he blamed it on the other people. But then the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul because of his disobedience. In response to the departing of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer today, Paul does give the church in Ephesus some encouragement and teaching as it pertains to the believer's spiritual blessings through Christ. So we can look with hope to Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession, to the praise of his glory. And so today, amongst other things, I want us to be encouraged that we are included in Christ and sealed with the Holy Spirit when we believe. We are included with Christ and sealed with the Holy Spirit when we believe. When we believe the gospel, we are saved. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, and we will receive the Holy Spirit, and he dwells within us. He is a deposit that guarantees our salvation and adoption. Saul was bestowed the Holy Spirit based on his role as king. He was anointed as king. You and I receive the Holy Spirit to dwell and empower and transform us as a guarantee from God. And Romans 8, verse 37 to 39 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we are transformed by faith, as we are transformed by faith, nothing can get in the way, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation. In this passage, there's another kind of spirit that's mentioned in this opening verse. The author of of Samuel is taking great lengths to describe the Spirit as from the Lord God, not to be associated as the Lord God. As we look at the second phrase here, it's important for us that we look to answer these next logical questions. Does God intend on harming people? Does God send evil? We start by looking a little closer at the word evil. What does that even mean? The word evil in the original language is the Hebrew word ra. The range of meaning from that word includes not only that which is evil or wicked, but that also which is harmful or injurious or calamitous. Many translations opt for the sense that Saul became troubled by this spirit. And this this troubled spirit is traced back to divine action that was typically the perspective of the biblical writers not a demonic spirit. So, this phrase would be better translated as the spirit which brings forth disaster, the spirit which causes trouble. To answer the question, God is sovereign, and he utilizes the resources that are necessary to bless and inspire joy, or in this case, to punish, which leads to torment and disaster. God isn't the immediate cause of Saul's troubles, but he is the one who ultimately is in control of all things. As I was getting ready for this morning, uh, I came across um, a thought here from uh, A.W. Tozer, uh, formerly an Alliance pastor that I'd like to share. God's justice is never in conflict with his righteousness. This may be something hard for us to grasp, that God, in all of his acts toward us, is perfectly just and righteous. Whatever God does in my direction, I can rest assured that it is exactly what I need it to be and what he wants me to be. It's tough to to navigate through sometimes the, the consequences of our own sin. It's tough to navigate through what God is doing. But we can rest assured knowing that God is righteous. God is just. God is love. And if there are things that come our way that are from him we can know that what he is doing is just and right. Now, the reality is, too, though, in in my life, usually, uh, if there's challenges or problems, it's probably because my own own decision, my own consequences. And sometimes we like to blame God for those things. But there are consequences for my, my actions and my sin. But God is loving and just and kind and gracious. And so let's keep looking at this passage here. In verse 16 and 18. Let our Lord command his servants here to watch for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you'll feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I've seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Saul's servants were able to recognize the problem he was going through, and they also came up with a solution. 
There are times in our lives where things are going wrong, we're having troubles, we're being discouraged, and it's hard to see what the problem is. And so Saul's servants suggested music. Interestingly, all ancient societies used music against demons. The servants proposed to find a musician to relieve Saul's melancholy, to relieve his trouble from the spirit. At first glance, it might kind of seem odd that you're going through a trouble and discouragement that you go to music, right? However, when we actually think about it, when we're going through the day-to-day, the stresses of life, there's all kinds of things we turn to. We don't want to be thinking about the troubles at work or this or that. Sometimes many people will turn to, to TV or YouTube or, or Netflix, those kinds of things. So we can just forget about it. Or there's other kinds, just surfing the internet, looking at different things. There's other kinds of things that we turn to as well, to, to forget about um, the troubles and the stresses of life, right? There's all kinds of substances, all kinds of things, all kinds of purchases we do to try and distract us from what's going on. And there are times where, you know, you're having a bad day and you turn on a good song to give you a pick-me-up. There's a reason, though, that David turns, or they, they turn to a musician, and it, basically it works, right? There's a reason we can turn on a music, and it, it stirs up within us emotion that can, that can help and encourage us. I believe we're wired that way by God, but not just be, for good sounds. I think there's more to it. Saul and his servants turned towards cultural practices instead of turning towards the Lord God for deliverance, which highlights a key difference which will be between Saul's reign and David's reign. And there, as we go through times that are difficult, and, and it may even feel like there's no way, no way out when, when things are stressed and, and we're discouraged, those thoughts can, can actually become obsessive or can... can can uh, consume us. And so for us, we need to be thinking of how do we turn away from evil or trouble? How do we turn away from those, those stresses? How do we overcome? And I think it's very important here that we consider the joy and the hope that we find as in music. But there's something very specific here that I think tips the scales more than just a good song on a, on a sunshiny day or a good sunshiny song on a bad day. It's that last little piece of the description of David. Did you catch that? The Spirit of the Lord was with him. The, the description there is kind of interesting, right? Because um, we read in, just before this that man looks at the outside, but the, the Lord looks at the heart. And here's the, the description. It's a pretty great description. I would love if somebody described me like this. He speaks well. He's a fine-looking man. Well, I know you'd agree with those. Um, but it goes on to say, like, he's a warrior. Well, he's just a young lad. How does that all make sense? But the most important thing is that the Lord was with him. Just to focus a little bit on, on that one phrase, because we know this guy's a young guy. He was out with his sheep, yet they call him a brave man and a warrior. There's a couple, a couple ways we could, uh, we could walk through that and understand that better. One thought is, uh, that it seems to be fairly consistent, is that it may refer to David's family background rather than his own ability. It may also be that he has proven himself uh, in that way when he's watching the sheep. 
But it could also be that his brothers and his dad have, have shown that, as we know his brothers were in military service. It also could be that he, he was well-trained in combat and in skill. But we do realize that the most important thing is that the Lord was with him. That shows that even Saul's servants were aware of David's relationship with the Lord already. And that explains the young man's success and his strength and his character. Saul turned to his servants for help, and they sought out someone who was impressive. But most importantly, he had the Spirit of God. And so here's one point I call point number two, but it's more of a subtle point. Because uh, I don't want us to be so focused on this that it distracts us from, from the big idea. But here's something important for us to know. We can find help from those who have the Spirit of God. We can find help from those who have the Spirit of God. It is good to get help from our friends, from other Christians. We need each other. I'd even say Christian community is essential. But here's the difference maker. Our Spirit-filled friends can and will point us and others to Jesus. There are many different remedies and many different challenges that we face. We need to turn to Jesus at the center of it all. There's many different problems that come our way and, and many different solutions, but we need to keep Jesus at the center of it all. So if you are a person who, likes to, who has friends, <laughs> and most of you do, I want to encourage you to keep Jesus at the center of it all to pray, to be led, follow the Spirit as you encourage and, and share with one another. Interestingly, though, Saul doesn't actually totally overcome this evil. He has momentary relief, but it doesn't last long. His new friend that he trusted in, he said, you're doing so well, you can come work with me anytime you want. It actually doesn't solve all of the problem, does it? He has momentary relief. And it's good to get help from our friends, especially in spiritual matters. But in this passage, the servants knew that the remedy would come from David and his music because the Lord was with him. David was able to help because he had the Spirit of God with him. And so a good question for us to ask and explore today, is the Spirit of the Lord with you? It's good to get help from Christian friends. We need each other. But you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1 verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Each and every one of us who places their faith in Jesus, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we believe the Spirit dwells within us, and as we grow throughout our lives, as we grow in faith, the Holy Spirit can fill us up. He fills up our cup. He transforms us to be more and more like Jesus. And so one thing I want you to be, think through today is to, to think through it, am I filled with the Spirit? And hopefully along those lines, you might even ask yourself whether you've been walking with Jesus and filled with your Spirit your whole life or it's brand new to you. You might ask yourself, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? A.W. Tozer has a book called How Can I Be Filled with the Holy Spirit? It's not brand new. It's uh, fantastic. In it, he outlines four things. We present our body to God. We ask. <laughs> we ask for the Holy Spirit. We obey Him. And we have faith. 
As it says, present your body to God, we're reminded of Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. And as we ask for the Spirit, I love this this passage. It's actually growing to be one of my favorites uh, in Luke 11. If there's one passage you want to follow up on a little bit later to read the broader context, I would strongly recommend Luke chapter 11. Maybe you want to do it in your devos today or tomorrow. But Luke chapter 11, verse 10 and 13. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And I think there's many times we don't realize that we can ask God to fill us up, to transform us, to make us new. How much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And then as we look to obey him, Acts 5 verse 32 reminds us, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Those who have placed their faith in him, those who believe, those who are walking and obey, God has placed their, his spirit in them. And as we look to have faith, Galatians 3 verse 2 says, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those, oh, pardon me, I wrote that down wrong in my rough copy. Galatians 3 verse 2, you'll see it on the screen. I would like to, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Implying there that we receive the Spirit by believing. And it manifests itself in obedience, in fruit. So we present our body to God, we ask for the Holy Spirit, we obey Him, and we have faith. And so would you like to be filled with the Holy Spirit today? Maybe you've been a Christian a long time or you're new to faith. God continues to fill us and transform us all throughout our lives. That's what we call progressive sanctification. As we are progressively growing more and more to be like Jesus Christ. As we are transformed, we become more like Jesus and who we are meant to be. We are able to be filled more and more as well. Let's continue reading on here to verse 21 and 23 of 1 Samuel. David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul liked him very much. David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. And whenever the Spirit of God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul, and he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. David's reputation got him the job, but it's the Lord who gave him the victory. David, who was anointed by Samuel to be king, did not abuse his status and take the throne, but showed himself to be with the Lord and of good presence. In his first encounter with King Saul, David's character appears to exemplify what was said of him by Saul's servants. David was effective, and he was relied upon Saul to continue to bring relief. That was made possible because the Spirit was with David. David was filled with the Spirit. He authored 75 of the Psalms that we have in our Bibles out of 150. He had a heart after God. Some of the Psalms David authored actually can be traced to specific events in Samuel. 
And it's for this reason that I think there's a compelling case that David's music likely would have been songs of worship led from a heart of worship, led from, a spirit, from the Spirit, not just resounding notes and soothing melodies. David uses music to worship the Lord, and that's why evil was turned away. That's why I've identified Christian music as one of the essentials, six essentials for passing faith from one generation to the next. Music affects all aspects of a person's being, physical, psychological, emotional. It affects us. Just as Saul was physically refreshed from the torment after listening to David playing the lyre, those who worship the Lord can be refreshed spiritually with songs of praise. God was elevating David from the ranks of a shepherd of sheep to become the shepherd of his people, and David's music ability enabled him to lead the Israelites in worship of Yahweh later. And so our fourth point for today is that we can sing and worship the Lord. It wasn't a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. It was a heart of worship. So turn up the music, tune the guitar, let's sing songs of worship to the Lord. He is good. I look forward to continuing for myself to discover how, how music does affect us in our, in our brains and our bodies. But what we see in this passage is David played. He, had a, he, he was spirit-led. He had a heart of worship. And as he did, as he played those songs, the evil, evil tormenting left. Now, Pastor Aaron is a fantastic guitar player, and what a joy it is to be able to sing with one another. And I think we should not give up doing that, right? That's why we're here, is because we want to sing and worship the Lord. But many of us in our homes, we have devices of some kind, whether it's a CD player or a tape player or an iPod or um, an iPhone or whatever it might be, an Android, all those different things. We can tune them in towards what God is doing. We can tune them in towards songs of praise and worship. We could have long conversations about what is better. That's not the point. The point is, we can sing and praise the Lord. There's nothing that holds us back. In fact, you could be, in, you could be anywhere. You can be at the lake, you can be at home, you could be in your backyard, and you can sing. You can be in your vehicle on a road trip, and we can sing and praise the Lord. Singing doesn't guarantee that everything will go away and everything will be better. But when we sing songs of praise, we're reminded that God is with us. It encourages and refreshes our souls. We can sing. We can worship his majesty. Because unto Jesus will be all glory and honor and praise. And so I want to encourage you today, as you enjoy your summer, as you enjoy today, whatever day it is for you, to sing. Sing with your heart. Sing with your soul. Lift up praises to God. When you're going through deep troubles, man, what a how incredible it is to sing. As I was thinking through my own life and how music has been an encouragement and transformed me, I remember when I was going to college, I was wondering, is this the right thing to do, to be traveling away from my family, to be studying? Is, is now really the right time? And as a, I had some songs on, my, um, my stereo in my car, that reminded me and encouraged me that God is with me. I remember when my dad passed away just over seven years ago, Probably the, one of the more um, emotional times was when I had, the, the days following, was when I had gathered together to worship. 
Uh, he had passed away in Edmonton. I was in Edmonton at my friend's, uh, going to church with my friend and my family. And um, it was in a very emotional time, but so encouraging because I was, I was singing these truths. I was reminded again and again, God is love. God is grace. He is with me through all my, through all my trials and troubles. And even as I think of more recently, when I look at the, the list of things that I need to do, the tasks that I have to accomplish, it can be discouraging. It can be overwhelming. Anybody else ever get overwhelmed with the amount of work you got to do? Or maybe I'm the only one? We could all go over our lists of who's got the more things to do, but you know what? Life can be tough. Life can be overwhelming. Life can be discouraging. And when we come to God in worship, when we worship and sing, it helps us to navigate. Peace can come. God is with us. One uh, musician, Brandon Heath, would say, when the sky falls, who are you going to call? The one who put it there in the first place. One of the songs I love to sing by a group I enjoy uh, a lot is Ren Collective. And their song says, when the enemy says I'm done, I lift my praises. When the darkness turns to dawn, I lift my praises. I choose to worship. I choose you now. In this chapter 16 in, in 1 Samuel, we have a turning point in the book of Samuel and in David's life. Our summer isn't half over yet, but now might be a good time for a turning point in your faith, in your summer. God is sovereign and good. God is sovereign over all history and future. And the scriptures guide us toward his incredible plan of redemption. So as you listen to songs, maybe you want to uh, find an artist or a song that you like and play it on Spotify, and sometimes they'll help you find more songs. Maybe you want to borrow some CDs or tapes from your friends. Maybe you want to go to YouTube and search up your favorite artist or favorite song. There's a lot of good stuff out there. We need to be mindful of what we're filling ourselves with, but there is a lot of great stuff out there. The history of God's plan of redemption and covenantal promises that began with Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah, and Noah, continues through David as history flowed towards another king who had come from Bethlehem also, Jesus the Messiah. In this little piece here of David's history, the reader begins to get a glimpse of David's heart. David was suggested and then summoned because he had musical skill, but what set him apart was that the Spirit of the Lord was with him. His success in this passage and in the rest of his life was because of the Lord God. The Lord had placed his spirit in favor on David, ensuring that he was faithful to keep his promises to the nation of Israel. David would end up going to war, but before he went to war, he went to worship because the battle belongs to the Lord. The writer of Samuel is not merely interested in telling us what happened, but helping us realize God in the happenings. God is sovereign over good and evil. God is sovereign over history and the future. God is sovereign even over our history and our mistakes. We can be redeemed and transformed and filled with the Spirit, especially as we look to the Scriptures to guide us towards His incredible plan of redemption. He reigns above it all. So we can sing and worship the Lord who is sovereign, and He does reign above it all. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would fill us anew with your spirit. We present our lives to you, our bodies to you, our everything. 
we pray that you would transform us and renew our minds so we'll be able to see your will. We ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, knowing that you give good gifts and you continue to fill us and transform us. So I pray that you would fill us with your Spirit today so that we could be agents of your truth wherever we go. As we interact with one another, as we look around our neighborhood and see hundreds and thousands of people who haven't met Christ yet, would you fill us with your Spirit and empower us to celebrate and share the good news of Jesus? And Father, we pray that in the midst of that, you would help us to obey you. And so we turn away from our sin and we turn towards you. Forgive us and help us to obey you. As we walk by faith, knowing that through Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, we can be forgiven, transformed, and made new. Thank you so much for your love and grace. And it's you we come to worship. In Jesus' name, amen.